0: Asher Leamond and welcome to the Spoondrift podcast. The word spoondrift describes the spray of water that a strong gust of wind can blow from the top of a wave. Here on the Spoondrift, I talk about the spoondrift from the ocean of ideas. There's really no bounds to what might be talked about. The goal is to just unearth new perspectives and inspire curiosity. In this week's episode, I have a discussion about language with my special guest, Lucas Futurist. The conversation takes a number of amazing turns that are sure to keep the wheels turning. Let's get right to it. Are you ready to get started? I think so. Okay. Um, well, welcome to the Spoon Drift. We have we have a special guest on today, Lucas. If you would go ahead and briefly introduce yourself. Hello,
1: Asher. How are you today? I'm doing
0: just fine. Yourself?
1: I'm pretty well. I got to say, you know, I've got a level of hope about where this country is ultimately going to go. I think it's easy to read into pessimism, but I've been very, very active and paying attention. And I think, I think we're going to ultimately enter a renaissance. That's my hope, because <laughs> the Black Plague is what preceded the renaissance. So surely coronavirus will do that here. But I'm hopeful. Um, I identify as Lucas Futurist. I love the future. Very interested in technology.
0: <laughs> well, that's great. And I've, interesting, you just mentioned the uh, the Renaissance thing. I've heard that before. Someone pointing out how really the Renaissance followed up the bubonic plague. Yeah,
1: yeah, very true. I think it's a very interesting aspect. I mean, it was thirteen forty seven to thirteen forty eight that it raged across Western Europe. Of course, it also raged across Africa and Asia. So I'm not going to go in and discount that because many people died in all those continents. But it was the humanism that came out of it where people began to realize that maybe they weren't worthless. Maybe it's time to start making things and art and, you know, shift the control of power from the papacy and more so to city-states that focused on culture and um, economics and stuff like that. I think that's pretty – it was an interesting transition there that that I think – it's important to have a level of humanism today because although we are very individualist, I think we kind of forget the humanism that comes with being a community and being in unity. I mean that's where things like the social movements at hand are very crucial to ensure greater unity. yeah, um, of course, it also inspires division right now because not everybody's on board.
0: <laughs> However, I have hope. well that's good it, it, it's I, it's interesting. I know i've I think I've noticed a bit of um, rise of the arts especially through the internet. Um, There's a lot of art, whether it be like painting or drawing or musically, a lot of artists are using this time to kind of create new songs and stuff. And I think there is a pattern of increased artistic motivation right now. And I'd be interested to see how it'll continue.
1: I definitely agree with that. I think that a lot of films are also going to be inspired by the events of today. I've been really picturing like what kind of allegories come out of this and also what kind of reenactment comes out of it. I mean, you look at those films, like the one about Edward Snowden. It wasn't Snowden who starred in it. It was somebody else. And it followed the events of his life. What kind of film is going to be like that over the next year or so or the next two years and how many of those films will come out? I think that's going to be really interesting because this is living history, <laughs> and it's really important for us to stay awake in this moment.
0: You are so right. And I, I hadn't quite thought about that, but you're right. Um, like the depression. <laughs> I know we we hear about – well, we obviously – we learn about that in history. And there are movies about yes. the depression. It's this long period of time punctuated by like collective uh, hardship, and that – it's shown up in movies, books. And this time period is going to be one that's going to be talked about. People living at home in quarantine and what they had to do yep. and how their lives were different. It, it, you're, <laughs> very good point. And not yes. just that, but the period when they
1: went back to work and their yeah. governments didn't really care too much as to offer precaution. You know, I'm I'm not too happy with what's happening here in Florida, <laughs> but <laughs> that's a different conversation. I feel, I hear that we're talking about something different today. Oh,
0: that's right. Yes. Okay. So the subject today now that we're moving into that, is I've got some words, some different um, – some synonyms. I'll just go ahead and start off. Do you say sofa or couch? Oh, I say couch. Couch. What do you say? I, I say couch, interestingly yeah. enough. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we said sofa. <laughs> we had the other day at dinner, sofa and couch somehow – like two members of my family said – one said sofa, one said couch, and I just like, wait, what's what's the difference? How did that happen? I don't know. I mean, you guys are all in the same <laughs> household. Well, it it was brought up, and I was like, is there a difference? And then we started talking about it, and I was like, well, okay. When I hear the word sofa, I usually associate that with more like uh, a more formal sitting. A long piece of furniture that's more formal, maybe a a short seat and a straight back sort of thing that you, you don't just lounge or lay back on, but you sit on. Yeah. This couch is more, in my mind, more relaxed. Like a couch would be in a living or would be in a family room, but a sofa would be in a living room. (laughs)
1: Okay, that's interesting. So when I think of sofa, I think of something that's maybe made of velvet. Yes, you know, something I think of the that,
0: same thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. So like a, a couch is more so something that's made of something like pleather. Yeah, you know? okay. Um, Have you ever seen the show you know, Gilmore Girls? No, I haven't, but Betty White is in there. No, that's Golden Girls. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> Golden Girls. <laughs> Man, I've been seeing that on Hallmark <laughs> Channel recently. Really? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good show. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in Gilmore Girls, they're the, the main character, well, the main character is Lorelai. Her parents live in a very fancy house, a big house, and they have a living room with these extremely elegant furniture, with very elegant furniture, and there's a couch, or not a couch, a sofa. <laughs> and that's Ooh. the sort of furniture that I call a sofa. But it was just so interesting. It's like the meanings behind these two words that really kind of mean the same thing, but they have different, different uses. Well, realistically, I've not
1: talked to anybody who says sofa in a conversation I've had with them for a long time, I'm quite sure. Wow. Yeah, people don't say that in my, in my, my neck of the woods.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, next one. What, what's the difference between a chair and a seat?
1: A well, chair generally, in my opinion, has four legs, but then you look at an office chair and it clearly doesn't. <laughs>
0: uh, when I exception. see chair,
1: I think wood. It's like a wooden chair, but then I look at office chair too. I don't know, a seat. Like I think of, think of something that can't be moved, like a seat. I mean, people say, take your seat, and that's kind of like a general position sort of thing. But I think of seat in terms of furniture as something in an airplane or a car that it's kind of hard to pull it
0: out. Uh, I think of a chair as being more mobile. What about you? I held ha- I the exact same, like word for word, the same idea behind those meanings. Seriously? So yes, yes. This is insane. Yeah. Because, and funny you mentioned the car thing, because in a car that is, if you were to, if you were to open a door of a car and say, I'm going to sit in my chair I would look at you confused because <laughs> like, huh? yes, there's no chair in a car that is by all means a seat. <laughs> so that the mobility, yeah, that's the very same distinguishment that I could come up with. That's so funny. Isn't that yeah.
1: interesting? Cause I, we can think of beach chairs. Like I'm completely kind of, I don't want to call it a beach seat. That's kind of interesting to me. Um, I'm never going to say, I mean, take your seat is also just like, you know, applying your gluteus maximus <laughs> to some kind of surface I mean take your seat that's that's kind of the majority of it and then also offer yourself stability with you with your legs too yeah so I don't know that's just kind of the human way to do it but furniture wise you know that's that's different yeah interesting
0: yeah really really kind of bizarre <laughs> yeah that is bizarre huh. I wonder why we came to that conclusion I okay don't know.
1: Uh, well would we want to explore to move on to the next thing uh, because I think
0: Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. I agree. Uh, what do you call carbonated beverages? Uh, soda. soda. What about you? No, soda.
1: Yeah. Some people call it Coke. Coke. Or um, pop. Which is weird. Yeah. They call it pop. See, my mom calls it pop. She's from Washington.
0: Wow. Okay. So West yeah. Coast. It's called it pop.
1: West Coast. Yeah. Well, my dad calls it soda. So California is different. Oh, okay. So she's, she's more subject to uh, a different lexicon over there, but she was also born seven years earlier than my dad. was. So maybe that might be a part of it. It could be.
0: I know in like older movies, uh, especially ones that I, I picture like with diners, maybe in the fifties or something. uh, It's pop (laughs) in my mind. Yeah, it it is. Whereas now, yeah, I say soda, although I don't, I don't drink it, but whenever I, Talk about it in a conversation. I think I say soda. <laughs> you drink water. Yeah, yeah, I drink water.
1: Good. I bet you drink tea too. No,
0: I don't drink tea. Don't. I just drink oh water. Do you drink. Co- Do you drink coffee. Tommy
1: no. goes all in for the agua. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. No, I drink, I drink mainly water. I put lime in it. I love lime, and I drink. I used to drink only a, one soda a month, but then we got these really good specialty root beers recently that. Uh, we really liked years ago, so we were recently in North Carolina. So we went and got a bunch of Uncle Scott's root beer. Very good. Do you think root beer um, tastes like toothpaste? You know, it's so funny. I totally could see why you'd say really? that. Really? <laughs> yeah, to some extent. Um, I think it. I think that's actually a really funny thing that you say. I wonder why. I don't
0: know. I've had root beer once. I didn't like it, but it tasted Which like. root
1: beer did you I drink? I have no
0: idea. It's probably barks or something.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. One of
0: those. I mean, this was like years ago, where I I, want to say my mom made like a ripper float or something, and I tried it. I've never. I drink those at dinner. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I had one last night at dinner.
1: Wow. Yeah, we put dulce De Leche ice cream in it. But anyway, that's your Dolce
0: De Leche ice cream. That's like one of my top really good top ice cream. We've been having that a lot. Really, I
1: love ice cream. Oh yeah, no ice cream's great we
0: well, had yeah, toothpaste i don't know
1: interesting never thought about that but i can totally see why <laughs> yeah
0: okay uh next one what do you call a vehicle that carries a, a long thing of cargo behind it
1: Oh, well, that's interesting i could go either i generally think i would say an 18 wheeler really okay well, what would
0: you say semi semi truck
1: Semi, yeah, no, so I think I could go either way, but I prefer eighteen wheeler. But if that's if that's Something what came about. first,
0: then yeah, that works. Okay.
1: Yeah, definitely well that's what my dad says. He's from California, I wonder
0: 18-wheeler. if it's more
1: common there.
0: I'm not sure. I don't know. I... I've heard um so why do you there's yeah. semi? What other thing there's eighteen wheeler, there tractor trailer, um and there's big boys. Big boys. <laughs> Can't say I've heard that one. I
1: I, I see
0: <laughs> can you think of any more like that we call yeah, them? Yeah,
1: uh, let me think.
0: Cargo trucks. Cargo trucks. I, yeah, I've not heard that one.
1: Maybe I'm making.
0: Oh, I'm thinking about cargo shorts. That's dumb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just reminded of a weird, a weird little quirk. Cargo is on ships where shipments are in cars. That is very interesting. Huh. It's like, why, why do we do
1: this? (laughs) I don't know. Language is interesting. Yeah, And it evolved based on how humans evolved.
0: Okay. Now let's get on to, uh, to regional sayings. Um, okay. Let's see. I'm going to, I think of one that I've said, I don't know if you, you might've heard me say it before, but like hogwash that's hogwash yeah, that?
1: no what does it's that like, mean it sounds like a harry potter thing
0: <laughs> harry potter no it's, it just means like <laughs> um like balderdash or just nonsense that's hogwash what are you talking about
1: oh that's hogwash what yeah. are you talking about okay that's gibberish that's um yeah, it's baloney
0: yeah, well baloney yeah a
1: yeah. uh, whole lot of baloney <laughs> Okay. That's interesting. What do I say? Oh, I, I usually go more explicative. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Everyone can think it so. though.
0: <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. That That's, um, people, people say that. I like
1: nonsense. I think not, I generally say nonsense, nonsense to be honest with you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that's nonsense. Okay. Can you think of any, any, um, some weird, jargon that you have or a phrase that you say that might kind of catch people off guard. Oh my goodness, probably a lot but your your (laughs) it's brain dump. I ask you the question and all of a sudden you're a vacuum of information. It's
1: like I'm not sure. (laughs) oh what do I like to say? Well I think it's generally when I call people I have different things that I call them. For a while I used to call people chef. I like calling people chef. I'm like thanks chef they never understood that, but they they were okay is with. it. Is that just it. something you you um, decided to do? Yeah. Yes, okay. I did. I decided to call people stuff. <laughs> um. Uh. I also. I, what's another thing? I, I like to th- call things legendary. That's that's generally more so. Uh, it kind of sounds like How I Met Your Mother. But was <laughs> that uh, Neil Patrick Harris? I think is the name. I never watched that show, but he used to call things legendary. Really. Yeah, he would. I also, I think it's also, I like to include potentially words from other languages okay. too. Like I know Spanish, so I'll use some words from Spanish. Um, um, I'm about to start learning Mandarin, so I'll, I'll probably start using that and no one will understand <laughs> me. So it's like, okay, I guess maybe I won't start using that.
0: <laughs> well, it could just become like, like just a common expression that you explain. Kind of like everyone says uh, hola, or something. Everyone knows what that hola. is. Yeah, you're so
1: right. I mean... well, and, and, yeah, well, and sometimes like there's an expression in Spanish called ojala que. And ojala que means that you wish for something, right? So, uh, ojala que sea más comico. I wish I was more funny. That's a, that's the a saying that you can say. But I like I don't say that because um, I'm funny. I say ojala que. Um, why would I want to be more funny? That would be ridiculous. And I couldn't get anything done. But... <laughs> Uh, oh, I like to say that if I'm in a, in a period of potential difficulty like ohala ke! this was all different. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of interesting. So I think there's a
0: sense of culture that comes with it. Um, yeah I've been I've been learning a bit of uh, Arabic and Korean. Oh, tell me about like that. um, I'm using duolingo. Oh nice. Yeah.
1: They have Korean and Arabic dude, on there. They have
0: like everything. I mean, like yeah, they got Korean on there. They have High Valyrian. Then they uh, they have Irish, <laughs> which I think they actually have more learners of Irish than there are speakers.
1: <laughs>
0: totally believe that. Um, but yeah, I actually finished the Arabic course one one time through. How yeah, really? It took me all summer, but oh, I did. Dude, you did yeah. that? You remember a lot well, of it. I mean,
1: you yeah, yeah ish <laughs> marhaba
0: okay i guess not
1: <laughs> but this means hello um, yeah i don't i didn't okay <laughs> maybe they didn't teach you marhaba maybe they take, taught you something else it's okay well
0: like okay there were a lot of uh there was a lesson on phrases and stuff and yeah i need to, i would I, I i made it through the course once but i guess my comprehension is not as great i i know Just learning how to read. Do you write notes when you do it? Uh, No, I didn't write notes. Yeah, that's my first
1: problem. (laughs) Well, for me, I I really learned by writing notes. So I'll write notes for literally everything. And then that's how I learn things. Otherwise, it's like one, in one ear, out the
0: other. Yeah. Yeah. I can say that I think what did stick with me is the reading i could pronounce the words and read it that's cool it, that sounds difficult it, it was <laughs> the comprehension behind it that's still <laughs> severely lacking but yeah reading it, it took some good oh use yeah. too.
1: that kind of reminds me so I, I i was learning russian for a summer so i can say and i can say like a few things that really don't do anything for me but I know how to read the Cyrillic alphabet, so I follow some people who are Russian, and I'll just go ahead and read through to see if I still know the Cyrillic alphabet, and I do. I don't understand what they're saying. For all I know, they could be saying some very terrible <laughs> things. They could also say saying some of the most beautiful truths in the universe. Who am I to know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Lost in translation. Yeah. I did, I did do a little bit of like note-taking for the Korean that I've recently started, so I've been learning how to write that. I did do, I did practice writing that out. That's That's cool. There's a real system. There there. is. Um, It's, (laughs) I have a couple of sounds down, um, but it's, it's very, not all of them. It's difficult. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next, um, next saying, let's see. Can I think of one? Um, Shooting the breeze. You, you know that, right? Shooting the breeze? breeze? B-R-E-E-Z-E. Shooting the breeze. Never heard Wait, that before. Really? For real. Unless I
1: just wasn't paying attention. That's a possibility
0: too, but I've never wow. heard that. That uh, just does it means do? kind of um, just talking about whatever. You're just kind of oh. shooting the breeze. It's kind of a, okay. a slang the or an idiom. Oh, Regional Saying, yeah, I can't believe you haven't heard that. I thought that was pretty widespread.
1: Honestly, if I want to tell you expressions that I use that are different from other people, the best thing to do for me is probably to read through my text messages. <laughs> uh, what have I said to people? Let's see. I'm not sure. I just saw that I said something like, "I'm not willing to be a doormat." Willing to be a I doormat. What does that mean? That, well, I'm not willing to allow people to step on me. Oh. I'm gonna let you know. get on uh, me.
0: I see that now, yeah, yeah. so
1: like um you know, i I haven't attended church in a while because of coronavirus, but uh, we oftentimes talk about in my family just like we talk about how Christ said, you know, turn the other cheek. Um, Christ didn't say that Christians should be doormats and allow people to just step yeah. on them, but it was more so like the rebellion of what love is when somebody is abusing you, but also, not inviting them in your life. You know what <laughs> <Okay>. I'm saying? Because <laughs> there, there's there's no place for abusers in your life. <laughs> All right, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so don't be a dormant. yeah. Uh, that's, that's good. Yeah.
1: Um. Wow. Yeah.
0: Definitely. It's funny. There's there's a there's a number of YouTube videos where people will like go to other countries, and use some of these f- phrases or sayings, and and prompt them prompt other people like from Australia or Germany or something. I know I have seen one from Australia because they speak English there. And then they say, "What yes, do you think do. this phrase means?" And then the people will guess. And <laughs> me as a watcher, I'm like, "I know what it means, but the guesses that they make are just hysterical."
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of bizarre and I imagine if they did the same to us, oh, we yes. could have Most bizarre definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you can you think of any? That's
1: Think. Mm. a well-oiled machine
0: okay I th- yeah i think i know what that means uh that means to oh, have yeah. like an organization of some sort or have everyone know what they need to do and have it go just swimmingly
1: yes exactly and that reminds me of the other
0: phrase ducks in a row yes that's a very bizarre one but that means you've you've got everything organized and figured out <laughs> yeah exactly
1: um and i like that phrase i like the one don't count your chickens before they have yes yep i know that one that one w- that one means a lot for me because i've historically had a tendency to do that but i need to step back from doing it see there's some real wisdom that come with these proverbs
0: <laughs> yeah yeah here's a here's a so. one break a leg Oh, yeah, that
1: is an interesting one. I mean, why would I actually want to break a leg? What does that mean? I mean, yeah, showmanship, but to what extent did that did that actually translate to real wisdom? I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> break a yeah, leg! It's like I'm kind going of to inspire harm upon you, um, but somehow that's a compliment? <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> it is bizarre. How about um, let's table this let's table this does that mean let's discuss this Uh, well kind of sort of but later let's table this topic let's talk about it at a later time table it
1: oh okay yeah or it's kind of like let's put this to rest for the moment yeah or i don't know yeah that's interesting it's kind of interesting how we offer i mean that is personification but we offer things that are generally associated with humans to inanimate objects or topics in terms of abstract ideas um, I think language is beautiful. I, I actually historically have wanted to be a hyperpolyglot because of just how cool, A, it is to learn a bunch of languages and, B, uh, the point that language really is a manifestation of culture and it reflects values that stem way before any of us were born. Yeah, I think I was watching this one guy speak in a TED Talk who knew 17 oh, languages. Man. He said, um, yeah, I might be getting this wrong, but in Farsi – uh, you're welcoming something along the lines of, I would sacrifice myself for you. <laughs> Whereas in other cultures, it's a lot more casual. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's in terms of the values of relational one-on-one and community and so on and so forth. Individualism versus collectivism. I think that there's some real interesting aspects of culture to all of that. Very true. Of course. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not for sure if that's Farsi or not. So I, I can't be, um, quoted as a secondary source. <laughs> okay, there, but that's
0: fair. Yeah, it's yeah. I I, th- I find languages fascinating as well. What do you find fascinating well, about them? Um, I like. This is gonna sound weird, but like the sound of different languages. One hundred percent. It's it's interesting to me to just listen to the, the way other languages sound. Like um, I I've I listened to a lot of korean music i've listened to a lot of indian music and hearing hmm. the way they they punctuate sentences or the way they form words like they all have very unique sounds and i've i've kind of wondered like how english sounds to a non-native speaker someone who doesn't speak it because me speaking it it sounds well i i can't have that outsider view and it's kind of disappointing but i've I've wondered i know yeah <laughs> And also like the look of it, like I personally, I find Arabic to be a really like, beautiful so language. Beautiful. It's like, it's got confetti all over it with all these, these dots and, and squiggles above and below.
1: <laughs> and the geometry yeah. of it is really fascinating. I think that for me, um, some of the most attractive cultures have come out of the Middle East and I'm not going on this exotic mysticism sort of thing, like, Oh, you know, like uh, a weird Western viewpoint where it's like, oh, they're so cool. And then they try to culturally appropriate by putting something in Arabic in their their Twitter bio. But like genuinely, I've always been attracted to the Middle East when I've studied it. I think that the culture is so rich. And especially like, um, you know, for me, I've always been very opposed to Islamophobia. And I've had conversations in my church about Islamophobia and different things that I have seen and the importance for us to show love for these people, compassion and understanding and actually host conversation that isn't just my team wins, you know, that doesn't (laughs) work. Uh, I think there needs to be a little bit more uh, spiritual diplomacy here and connection. But especially like when you look at some of the art that's come out of the Middle East and the use of calligraphy and geometry, because you can't represent human figures um, generally tend away from that. And you definitely cannot represent Allah in art. Uh, That's just something that you don't do. It's very taboo over there. I think it's fascinating. Uh, I think that it's a beautiful set of principles that are followed too. And it's really unfortunate that a lot of us fed into this Western viewpoint that all Muslims are bad. Really? I think Muslims are suffering a lot more than than I'm gonna say America is as a whole. I mean, granted, America's got a lot of suffering, but let's look at what's happening. We should be scared of Muslims while they're being taken and put in the cages in China as Uyghur Muslims. I mean, it's happening in America, but like concentration camps there, millions are being taken away. And then also on top of that, what happened in Lebanon recently with Beirut and the explosions, and accordingly, what's happening in Syria? What's happening in terms of all these oil wars that have lent uh, to mass suffering. So, yeah, I mean, I, I tend towards a little more liberal in these politics, but it's also a recognition of what has happened, you know, and it's so unfortunate that uh, the West has done such a disservice to the Middle East. And you can make the argument, yeah, I mean, 9 11, nobody, nobody, <laughs> like 9 11 was terrible, right? But we can't use that as a reason to just go ahead and continue these wars in, Iran and Iraq and so on and so forth so
0: and and language is kind of at the center of the communication between all of this lack of understanding lack of understanding yeah
1: I mean if they spoke English that's an interesting idea like if if English was the only language that was spoken in some of the countries we've waged wars on do you think that it would proceed at the same level
0: yeah
1: interesting idea there i've never had that question before but i think it's an interesting idea
0: yeah if 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 the communication happened a lot easier what how could that affect the outcome of the relationship or the yeah i mean
1: let's uh let's take it to a sci-fi level
0: if aliens
1: were to come down onto earth and uh we decided to throw our fists at them because we couldn't understand them that would be very difficult. You ever see the movie Arrival? Oh,
0: yeah. I love that
1: movie. It's so good, right? Yes. Imagine if, uh, I don't remember her name, but the linguist. Imagine if she wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if we had somebody with no desire to be academic and actually uh, translate for humanity. Imagine if no one was there to do that. And it was just decided that the big stick policy would be used <laughs> against against it a potential, a civilization that could totally wipe us out, (laughs) totally wipe us out. Like, that would be so bad. That's where language is so important. I think it's very true when we say that communication is the bane of humanity. It is something that so many people fail at, and we choose not to listen to each other, but that is so crucial if we want to learn. I read something the other day. Illiteracy is not reduced to reading and writing in the modern era. It is instead the inability to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: And I think that's very true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so those are my thoughts. Okay. And it, it's funny you mentioned Arrival. That's one science fiction movie that <clears throat> really does highlight the language barrier. Because in a lot of sci-fi movies, like uh, Star Wars, for instance, or Star mm. Trek, the, the language barrier, it's taken care of like usually by some device that automatically translates everybody or something, yes. but it, that's, it's kind of overcome as a, a part of the science, the technology present at the time. So it's usually set far in the future because we don't have this ability now sort of thing. And yes, of course. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I'm, I've read a book. Um, oh, what was it called? The foundation by Isaac Asimov. And there was a trans, I believe they all had uh, the ability to just understand everyone from other planets or species and stuff. Uh, Yeah. Oh, and I was, I listened to a podcast a while back about the Rosetta stone and that was the, it was actually just like a law set down on a piece of stone and it was written in three different languages was it
1: greek um e- egyptian and was it latin too? Uh
0: I don't know. I'd have to um I have to check that. I don't know what languages was on it. Maybe
1: sumerian. I remember that though. And who who discovered it?
0: Well, uh it was I believe it was egyptian and then it was once the egyptian empire like fell out of power it got used yeah. as a part of a wall, just like as a part of a construction of a building. And then it was discovered later. Um, but the fact that <laughs> it had three language in it written on the the stone itself was what allowed us in the modern age to be able to understand hieroglyphics. Egyptian hieroglyphics. Of Egypt. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the stone, so they wouldn't have well maybe eventually but as far as getting to our current understanding of hieroglyphics they wouldn't have been able to get there that was a a key artifact and so it, it kind of stood in this this center of language translation that really yeah. opened up the door to understanding hieroglyphs from ancient egypt and that was
1: a very that was a very fun find for the archaeology department i think it was england but it was an english archaeologist that discovered it i think
0: yeah there's been a big um argument between uh i want to say france and england really about who found it uh like yeah who could use it or something i'd have to i'd have to do a bit more research into that but yeah
1: is that because it's in the louvre
0: Maybe that could be it. Yeah,
1: well, you take, I don't know. Take a photo of it. Isn't there a photo online? Oh yeah,
0: I mean this thing is it's <laughs> on display. I want to say it's in England. I want to say England claims it now.
1: Oh, so it's kind of interesting. The politics that follow that. Yeah. I've been playing. I've, do you, Do you ever play Civilization?
0: Yes, Sid Myers. Great. Right. Uh, Sid Myers. Sid Meier's Civilization. Yeah, Civilization Six is what I've been
1: playing recently, and. I think it's a great game. I think it's fantastic. I actually just won the the science victory as as China last night, and I was like, yo <laughs> 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 Like I was able. Listen, I launched a Martian colony by 1960, and I was really ahead of the game there. Wait a minute! You can things,
0: you can start yeah? a Martian colony? Interesting. Yeah, I I've not made it to the space age in Sid Meiers. I I, I don't okay. play it very often, but that is one game. That I that I
1: play. Which civilization? Civ five or Civ six?
0: Or? I believe I have five. I think I played Civ. Okay. Yeah, I think I played Civilization five.
1: Civilization five is pretty good.
0: I I haven't played that in a while,
1: but I like Civ six. Yeah,
0: that's the newest one.
1: One right? Yeah, it came out two thousand sixteen. I picked it up for fifteen dollars the other day. <laughs> um, then a homie of mine said that it was free two weeks prior, but I was uh, like, "That's okay. yeah." I support them with my core. <laughs>
0: yeah, I like games like that where it's uh there's a lot of layers to the gameplay and I like the idea of like building up a civilization. It it's fun. 100%. Yeah.
1: It's a lot of fun cuz I I really like progress. Um I think that's especially why I like big stories. I think big stories of the human struggle and development as a species is very very interesting to me. And I think that's also why language is so interesting because it reflects that development. Yeah. And I mean, it's even like, and you see the cross-cultural aspects of today, you know, what is global. Increasingly, we're finding probably that that words that are new today are less
0: isolated to one language. That's true because, well, probably the internet and the use yes of uh, yeah. forums <laughs> and communication over mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, very true yeah and tiktok yeah tiktok twitter TikTok, instagram yeah. facebook all the social media for yeah. sure
1: i was curious if we had any other words to say that we could like uh, look over oh
0: yeah um under the weather is kind of odd. oh feeling Ill. yep so have you do you use that um
1: no generally i say partners i am unwell, unwell. <laughs>
0: yeah i would just say <laughs> i'm sick <laughs> i wouldn't yeah I not feeling well I'm under the weather <laughs>
1: Yeah. A bit under the weather. I think I could say it. Uh I kinda I, sometimes I like picking up those expressions. I think it's kinda fun.
0: Yeah. Here's one. The last spill the beans. On,
1: spill the beans. Yeah, no, I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a thing that you can yeah. say. What what does it mean? Uh spill the beans, tell the truth. Yep. Okay.
0: Yep. Yeah. So I think we're both clear on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got I, any? I did a moment ago. And then I then I forgot oh. it.
1: Um, Achilles' heel.
0: Yes, I do know that one. That's your your yeah. weakness. Yeah, exactly. And it's very
1: individual to you. Yep. It's not just like general human weaknesses, like the inability to uh, live on the sun. That's a human weakness.
0: Wait, our ability to not or our inability to live on the sun.
1: Yeah, that's a weakness. My, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I guess so. I mean, we can't take that much energy. <laughs> Too much energy it will break our break our bonds. Hey, do, do you know the the
0: history of the the term Achilles heel, where it comes from?
1: Um, well, I do know. I think it was was it the Peloponnesian War? Or is that, does that involve um, Persian? I think I'm trying to think. I remember. It's a, no. I, I don't.
0: Think, Why don't you go to tell me? It's like a it's a Greek myth, and Achilles, yeah. his I don't know. Someone was going to make him like invincible or unable to be penetrated by any weapons. And so what yeah. they did was when he was little, they grabbed him by his, the muscle on the back of your foot and dipped him in a river. But because I think it was river sticks that was supposed to yeah. um, make him immune to weapons and stuff. But when they dipped him in the water, they were holding him by that little the Achilles heel And that became the very one point of weakness because the fingers touching him, that the water wasn't able to touch him. And so Mm. that became his his one weakness, his Achilles heel. And That is interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't realize that. I I think I learned that from Percy Jackson and the Olympians.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. That was a great series. I think that Rick Rick Riordan has done a great job with creating literature that um, isn't – uh, overly whitewashed or heteronormative. He really brings a lot of characters to the table who are part of the LGBTQIA plus community as well as different backgrounds. And he, he even wrote a book that was about a Muslim a Muslim girl, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean in um <laughs> Magnus Chase, one of the main characters. Um I don't I don't exactly remember her faith, but I believe she was Muslim.
1: I feel like you're right because uh, my sister has told me um, her name is Chloe. Chloe's legendary. Uh, <laughs> Chloe told me about that and she's really liked it. So that's where my perspective on, you know, I, I haven't done the greatest amount of reading in that series, particularly because I don't know. I kind of stopped reading for fun a while ago. and just studying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think reading is fantastic. Uh, read- but you know me, I mean? I'm a bit of a power horse when it comes to,
0: I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I've I've read a lot of his books. I've read the the Percy Jackson. That's where I learned most of my Great Greek series. and Roman mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I've read the Cain Chronicles, which was all about Egyptian Egypt. uh, mythology, and then the Magnus Chase. I've read one and a half of those books. Yeah, Norse mythology. Yeah.
1: Yep. Did you ever do a traditional um, Chinese mythology? Is a very diverse thing. Obviously, it's not isolated to one. Individual culture just because of how how many different tribes emerged um, in China. But did he ever do one about um, Chinese mythology?
0: Um, Not to my knowledge. I know recently Rick Riordan has been kind of like partnering with other authors and releasing books based on different uh, mythologies. Like I think there's one based on Mayan mythology now. Ooh. Um, But as far as like Chinese or just Asian generally. I'm not. If there are, I'm not familiar with it at this point.
1: Well, I'm curious to what extent. You know, if he were to create a book about some of the aspects of Hinduism, the different um, gods that exist within Hinduism, would that be seen as offensive and culturally appropriating? I'm not. I don't know. I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, I think that people could probably cancel him over it, but that'd be kind of interesting. I'm not sure either. I,
0: don't know. I, I I would, I I mean, the Percy Jackson, Kane Chronicles, Magnus Chase, those have all been pretty well received. So I don't think yeah, there's been yeah. much uproar about using that sort of.
1: Well, I think it's not also to, I think lots people are probably practicing a belief in Greek gods and Egyptian gods and Norse gods than years ago. Yeah, that's, sure. yeah, that's probably fair. So, yeah, I don't that know. is that that's part of it. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I don't know. These are all questions for an alternate universe. If Rick Riordan released a book about Hindu gods and goddesses, and if everybody spoke English, would America fight them as they had?
0: Have <laughs> You ever heard of Esperanto? It
1: was, yes, uh, it, was, it? it was invented. It was created in like the 1800s, I think. Yes, yeah, it,
0: it was invented as. Like, the idea was for it to become a universal language.
1: That's an interesting idea. Not many people speak Esperanto, like um, maybe the hope was, but I do know that some people speak it.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's ever, like, a first language, but I think there are people who who speak it and know it. It didn't take off, obviously. No. (laughs) But I think the sentiment is interesting, and I kind of think English has become... Um a language of, of business and communication that's definitely widespread
1: yeah definitely especially a language of science
0: yeah Um if you have scientists
1: from bangladesh and scientists from russia what language will they publish with to communicate to one another probably, probably english. english yeah yeah i guess that's where it's a lingua franca lingua- wait what what's that lingua franca is is the term that you would use to describe something a bit of a, a universal language or something that's used cross-culturally in the capacities of economics and the sciences especially but also just in general i mean i think english has become a lingua franca uh you could you could identify uh spanish as a lingua franca and that's because of colonialism um i think english also to some degree but but to another extent also the the structure of the global economy as well as the internet has really helped to make it more of one Um, yeah that's interesting i i took a class in human geography when i was in high school and i learned a lot i really liked that class it was ap human geography did you ever take that class
0: i did not i did not
1: Uh, you would have liked that a lot yeah i know that you would yeah you would have loved that class you did very well too you're very culturally aware (laughs) some people were not one time a teacher was asking a question you know is like um what language do they speak in australia and then he called on a girl and she was like i don't know and it was just kind of like some people just didn't know things. <laughs> and i mean that's that's fair i mean they speak out there's there's an aboriginal language in australia but primarily it's english over yeah. there because of uh because that was a penal colony yep of england and then new zealand i mean they've got maori there uh, the maori Uh, people are still there to this day and there's systemic racism in new zealand against the maori people so i think systemic racism isn't something that's isolated to one country it's it's certainly something that that occurs anywhere that there's an oppressor and an oppressed population i mean just think about historically what happens i mean if there's if there's slavery or disenfranchisement that begins in the 1700s you probably see effects that linger into centuries beyond yeah so that's where I look historically at, at what all of this is in America and happening. It's no, this isn't just a myth. This isn't a race war. This is something that's a little more a lot more grounded in history than you may think or choose to acknowledge. Because I think that in America, the narrative is that we 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 combated racism. Slavery's over, Brown versus Board of Education, um, all these different sort of things. But I think it's still a fight to this day. And that's when I said earlier about how historical this moment is, it's very important for us to really pay attention, really listen, and really think about it. Because for me, so I'm so open-minded to listen to other people that I feel like I don't have a concrete perspective sometimes. Because oftentimes, I'm interested in listening, right? And that ultimately makes me a little more susceptible. However, I do know this. Um, in doing so, I've changed my mind in a way that I think is for the better because I've allowed myself to become more educated. So, it's about really deepening your perspective on things, and that's where it's really cool to meet other people like yourself who are so interested in learning and becoming more aware of just like history and stuff like that. I think it's it's a good time. That's where we're friends after. <laughs> yes,
0: most definitely. But, yeah.
1: So, that's that's everything that I have to say. There. Okay.
0: And I appreciate you sharing all that with us. Yes, of course. Well, it, we are running out of time here. Um,
1: that we are. Do we have anything else that we want to cover? I know this is a bit more of a conversation on a lot of different things, but I think that was the expectation when you decided to bring me on. You're like, yeah, we're not just going to talk about. Uh, I mean, that's that's uh, what
0: that's what this whole podcast is about. It's, it's supposed to be that. about a little bit of everything. And this conversation has been, has been great. I mean, you've had a lot of, Right. A lot of interesting insights onto things so yeah i thank you Me for too. that <laughs> yeah of
1: course and i will say this uh in, in terms of the people who i talk to um and i've mentioned who you are i've said that i think it's really cool about how much of a listener you are and how you're willing to like i mean i don't know i i, I think we can all inspire each other and um at some capacity it's I think you're a really good listener and you're willing to really recognize uh perspective more so than a lot of other people. Not that I'm just going to play this game of, Oh, you're better than other, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, I think that you make an intentional effort and I think that that's a very good um, way to go about things.
0: Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Well, do you, do you have anything else? Um, Perhaps let's talk about predictions of predictions. Interesting. Okay, by yeah, by what, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, what, what will the future look like in regards to language based on current trends?
0: Oh man, um it it would seem that English is definitely um one that will persist. It seems to be pretty well accepted globally. As far as far mm-hmm. as um the notion of a single universal language, uh I would I would like to see other languages not go away because as I mentioned before, I really appreciate the, the um, cultural differences that languages that they, they kind of make shine. (laughs) I, I I don't want to see that go away. I agree. 100%. So um, I don't, I don't, I don't honestly think it'll come to that. I mean, I know most people are pretty attached to the language that they speak. And as long as we can, we can preserve that, I, I would be okay with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that you're right about that. Um, Eng- English will definitely persist. And me personally, I think more and more people will continue to learn it uh, simply because of the language's uh, global development. Yeah. Apparently, apparently it is. And accordingly, I don't think that their mother tongues will just disappear either. I think that there will be an interesting relationship, as there has been, between regionalism and globalism. And wondering, okay, so, and, and unfortunately, many languages are dying. And these are these are the languages where, um, especially with COVID-19, has actually eliminated a, a decent amount of them. Like, they were already on the way out, but... Ugh freight train right through the village so um i think the languages will continue to die that aren't spoken by many people simply because that is not a buffer solution um,
0: so what you're saying is just because um well more speakers less likely to go okay. away so you think they can they can go away even i think many will
1: because there's so few speakers often yeah and, it's, and especially when, you know, sometimes it's like there's a conflict between tribalism and regionalism and then a conflict between regionalism and globalism. And then the question of, well, which language do you learn? You know, if you were connected to the internet and grew up in in a culture that was more tribal, my, my curiosity is what kind of perspective will you have in terms of um, being economically part of of the larger picture and what will that imply for your decisions to preserve your mother language or your native language? You know, like that's, my guess is you'll probably have varied responses because some people are more in tune with the desire to maintain things than others. So, so i like, okay, moving so, on. So
0: to so like, to other clarify men. this, what you're saying is, um, that if, if people have exposure to other languages, like growing up in the modern age, using the internet, you're saying that they, they might be less, attached to their native tongue or something? Is is that kind of the idea?
1: Uh, You know, and I'm not going to make a conclusion as to every person, but I think some people would probably perceive it that way. You know, it's like, um, you'll see that especially and if you were to live in a culture, um, especially among immigrant families and the conflict that happens between their native culture and the culture that they've, migrated to i recently saw a film that i was very impressed with it was called blinded by the light okay it was about a guy named Javed who was a british pakistani who fell in love with the music of bruce springsteen and that was very con- and that led to some level of rebellion against the expectations that his father had for him and he wanted to be a writer his father wanted him to be um a college educated profession not necessarily doctor a lawyer but you know he was very against this idea of assimilation to that culture but was it which was interesting right i mean bruce springsteen wasn't even popular in the place that he lived necessarily because that was from the decade prior because this was in 1988 and this is a true story but it was interesting to see the conflict between family native culture and regional migratory
0: culture yeah there. Actually, and especially I I saw that movie as well. And I, I, (laughs) oh, great film! It was, it was a really good film, fantastic! Yeah, so good. And to see the sort of things that, as a Pakistani family, they had to endure, it was awful. I I had no idea that that the sort of um racism that existed at, at that time. So, recently, people of that culture, it was just. It was eye-opening and appalling to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, and Islamophobia is nothing new, unfortunately. It's, Margaret Thatcher touted many Islamophobic things and spoke highly against immigration um, in the time that she ruled. I think she ruled for about 11 years. But it was something... I, it, it was very touching for me to see that film um, because it, it painted his perspective so well. And there was an interesting hybrid that he held that ultimately resulted in some real depth. It was his understanding of of how important it is to combat inequality. And that inspired me, especially looking now in terms of what's happening with systemic racism in America. And I haven't been to any protests, largely because of coronavirus. I'm not really interested in going and potentially getting infected of course I wear a mask but you know what I'm yeah. saying and, and what's happening is it's it's appalling with with how they're treated as peaceful protesters by a lot of law enforcement but yeah it's I think that ultimately in terms of language I think that there will be a maintenance of mother tongue there's a, also a curiosity of what technologies aren't here right now that that will change projections. And I think maybe even something like Elon Musk's Neuralink will change the way that we communicate as a species, maybe something that's a universal, unspoken language. And when I was listening to his podcast with Joe Rogan about, I'm going to say a month and a half ago... um, It was interesting to hear him talk because he said that he thought that language was going to go away. He said that he thought that spoken language would go away. Not not just language, but spoken language would no longer be relevant because of this universal unspoken language at which everybody could be telepathically connected to one another. And that children would master this very quickly because that's just what children do. And they're sponges and they have very malleable brains. But uh, in regards to spoken language, it would dissipate.
0: I don't think that's I, true. I think I'm with you on that one. I don't think spoken language is going anywhere. Why do you think well that? part of it might just be because, you know, I've I'm so used to it. Uh, I can't I can't quite yeah. discount that sort of bias here. But I don't know. It's just it I can't imagine a totally nonverbal language triumphing over a verbal language. I don't know, verbal, it just seems so much more expressive. You've got different words that capture different meaning, different inflection. I mean, I guess what you were saying, it was more of a telepathic language, like done without speaking, but yeah. are they, is that meaning? Yeah. Using and you, words? Could express,
1: you could express, you'd express images and you express emotions and you express words and ideas and uh, clear cut personal imagination. Huh. That's the okay. idea that he was painting in this language that is unspoken and it doesn't necessarily I think it would change the way that people think for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess when when the internet
0: came I guess my my aversion to the idea just become this comes from I guess a, a general attachment to verbal language. I don't know, I, the idea just it doesn't seem to um to resonate with me.
1: Well, how about this? Uh when the internet came out and really started to boom among many consumers especially in the tourism industry there was a fear that it would replace that google earth would replace the amount of people who would go to these destinations because they could simply see them online my curiosity is well what happened with tourism
0: it really developed yeah, now everyone's people seeing what they're missing see <laughs> yeah.
1: they're seeing what they're missing and they're like oh my gosh i want to go and then on top of that, there was a greater ease to actually purchase airline tickets and all these other sort of things and hotels and stuff like that. And then other sort of things that you could potentially do to get over there. Like if you wanted to be an au pair um, and potentially watch a kid for a little while. I know a couple people who one person went to Thailand, another went to Italy, was an au pair and watched the family's kids while they while they were in that country and did what they did. But it's that's the thing. It's I think that there's something that we cannot discount about how primal we are. We are always going to want to touch. We are always going to want to sense and experience, and all these other sort of things. That's why social distancing has been so difficult. <laughs> yeah. So many people want to experience, and it's like they're getting very fatigued about all of this. So, and I think that that for that reason. Uh, I don't see that a universal language that is unspoken will replace all spoken language. In fact, I think I'm willing to even say that it would inspire a resurgence in tribal language because or not tribal language, but your mother tongue, if it was still around, particularly because you no longer needed to just learn English. Um, maybe, I don't know. These are all realities that are really abstract to you and I, because we're in 2020 and we haven't seen what a Neuralink can do. (laughs) We've potentially thought about what it can do and what the implications are, but it's, it's still abstract.
0: Yeah. You have posed an excellent question that I will, I will need to mull over.
1: (laughs) Please do. And if you want to bring me back on to talk about it, I'll definitely say yes.
0: Well, I, I appreciate everything that you've had to say. Um, do you have any you. any shout outs that you wanna you wanna give?
1: Yes, I have a band. Uh, I have a band called the Citrus Trees, and we're releasing an album pretty soon. It's currently August fourteenth, two thousand and twenty, and I have intentions to submit the album in two days. Cause today is Friday, I'm looking to submit it on Sunday. So I will be submitting for the band a single called Little Town, and then an album. Self-titled, The Citrus Tree. The Citrus Tree. Because this is the first time time that we have had an album where all of us, including bass, drums, lead guitar, piano, uh, two vocalists, we've all been an outfit, like a real collective outfit. It's been a long time coming. I've been working on this album for about two years to some extent. It's when we first started writing the songs about two years ago. And I'm really happy with it. Genuinely, the best best production we've ever done so look out for it and please search us up on spotify um you're probably you're potentially on spotify right now listening to this podcast you could just go ahead and listen to the citrus trees from this point or more asher liam he's he's got a great podcast.
0: (laughs) well i appreciate that all right so you can you can check out the the citrus trees on spotify or are there any other platforms
1: uh well we're on Spotify Apple Music YouTube Music pretty much we're on Title too apparently you make more money on Title uh than you do here but unfortunately not a lot of people use Title yeah,
0: yeah I, I I can honestly yeah. say
1: I've never heard of Title <laughs> yeah Title was created by Jay Z and Beyonce I'm pretty oh, sure
0: okay interesting yeah yeah
1: interesting right and you can make more money on there but people don't listen on there yeah kind of <laughs> sad but it is what it is so you can listen to us on all those different sort of things and. We've got four other albums, too. We, we oftentimes touch on some deeper issues, especially mental health. Um, that's a big part of our own family. Yeah. Because it's my sister and I are singing in it. So we we touch on the real narratives of existence wow. and then try to appeal to a greater level of depth and a desire to connect to each other and a desire to be a better person and not allow your past to define you. That's one thing I want to say. I want to say shout out to human development. because. I just want to say humans aren't static and we shouldn't go ahead and leave people to the expectation they are, especially our politicians. People change, not all of them, but some people change. Let's give people the decency to expect that they do change.
0: And I think that so, right there that, is a perfect, perfect subject for another podcast. People. I change. agree, man. I love that idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Well, okay. thank you, Lucas. Uh, Thanks for being on the podcast. I really appreciate all of your thoughts and insights on everything. And I hope there are a lot of them that you will appreciate yours too. Thank you. And I hope that I can maybe have you on again sometime. I
1: will definitely say yes. This was a lot of fun.
0: All right. Well, thank you. uh, And goodbye. So long. Here's a fact check of today's discussion. In discussing Duolingo, it was said that Irish was being learned by more people on Duolingo than there were native speakers. Well, according to an interview conducted with the Duolingo CEO Louis von Ahn on the No Stupid Questions podcast, there are more than 10 times more people learning Irish on Duolingo than there are native speakers of the language. Later, it was mentioned how Allah is not depicted in Islamic art. The formal term for this is aniconism. That is, most Islamic artwork does not depict sentient beings. The Quran condemns idolatry, and that notion has largely been extended beyond the depiction of Allah to also discourage depiction of humans and animals in Islamic art. Now, onto a comment made regarding Muslim concentration camps. There are reports of Muslim concentration camps in China. According to Reuters, in early 2019, the US issued a condemnation of China for holding millions of minority Muslims, in quote, concentration camps, end quote. There's dispute as to whether or not the term concentration camp is appropriate. The term boarding school is what the governor of Xinjiang, the area where the facilities are located, compares the facilities to. It is estimated that anywhere between one and three million of the 10 million minority Uyghur Muslims are being held. In a PBS documentary, interviews were conducted with people who were detained in the Chinese facilities. Moving on to how the Rosetta Stone came up as a landmark discovery when it came to the translation of Egyptian hieroglyphs. As you can probably tell, my background on the story was really rough, so here's a more detailed history of the stone. The Rosetta Stone was a slab of basalt rock that had inscribed on it the state of the nation of Egypt during Ptolemy Epiphanes V, his time as king. The exact translation is still being studied, given the nature of the the stone itself. The stone had the same thing written on it in two different languages, in three different scripts. The first language was Greek, using the Greek alphabet. The second language was Egyptian. The Egyptian was written in two forms of script, hieroglyphics and demotic script, a type of stylized hieroglyphics. After being lost to history, it was discovered by the French in 1799 but acquired by the English when France surrendered Egypt to the British in 1801. Having the same thing written on the stone in different ways was what allowed hieroglyphics to be deciphered after being a mystery for many years. There have been disputes over the ownership of the stone, but today it is displayed in the British Museum in London and remains property of the United Kingdom. Finally, in the discussion of the movie Blinded by the Light, it was mentioned that Margaret Thatcher, who was a prime minister of the United Kingdom during the 1980s, she quote, touted many Islamophobic things and spoke highly against immigration, end quote. In researching that, I found I, I couldn't really find anything about Thatcher saying Islamophobic things. However, I did find a bit of information regarding controversy surrounding Thatcher and immigration. In an interview with journalist Gordon Burns, Thatcher commented how she was concerned that many people in Great Britain were concerned that the country was being, quote, swamped by people with a different culture, end quote. The comment was not well received, and while the initial characterization of Margaret Thatcher here on the show may have been a bit sweeping, the impression may have been rooted in the controversy that I've described here. Now for a really quick music update. This week, I'm expecting the following albums to come out. Seether with the album, Si Vis Pesum Parabellum, Lovely The Band with the album, Conversations With Myself About You, Paris with the album, Use Me, and The Happy Fits with the album, What Could Be Better. And those should be coming out on August 28th. My music picks are Lemon Soda by Tenkitsun Electronic, Pili Pilly* by Polo and Pan, French Electronic, and Go Dumb by The Happy Fits. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spoon Drift. If you want to listen to the music that I talked about, you can check out my Spotify profile, The Spoon Drift Podcast, and listen to The Spoon Drift Episode 10 Playlist. For more episodes of The Spoondrift, you can visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spinnaker Radio's home on the web at radio.unfspinnaker.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to keep up to date on everything to do with The Spoon Drift, you can follow me on Twitter at Spoon Drift Pod, that's at Spoon Drift Pod, or on Instagram at Spoon Drift Questioning things is great. I will talk to you next week.